Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Line Media presents the Business First Podcast. Hi, all, and welcome to a new edition of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And, you know, one of the reasons I really enjoy this podcast is because we get to speak to a number of different types of business owners. Um, I'm especially excited when I get to talk to small business owners because we understand how important they are to the community. And so I know you will enjoy this episode because we have someone who understands the importance of her value in her community, and she's been doing it for 20 plus years. Her name is Monisha Phillips. And she's the owner of Pandora Box in the Federal Hill section of Baltimore. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So as I mentioned, you are, you've been in a, I don't know if you've been in Federal Hill for 20 plus years, but you have been in the Baltimore community for 20 plus years. And so tell us a little bit about what that's been like growing and developing your business um, in your hometown? Well, I have been in Federal Hill um, for 22 years and I, I, I love it. Of course it has its ups and downs, but you know, I love Baltimore. You know, we're the city of neighborhoods and that's what I enjoy the most because there's people coming from all over. Um, there's different neighborhoods and I like being um, in a part of downtown part of Baltimore where there's visitors, there's locals, there's customers that are coming for this for the weekend that's here for conferences. Um, they're here for um, going to John Hopkins for medical research. So I come across so many people in my location, which is great. It's exciting because it's, you know, I never know who I'm going to see or meet. Um, just a couple of di- a couple of weeks ago, I saw the governor popped in. The governor, you know, our first black governor of Maryland. Um, so that was exciting. So you just never know. Um, but I love what I do. I've been in the neighborhood, like I said, in Baltimore for 22 years. When I first started out, um, I don't know if that's part of the question that you asked me. Yeah, no, um, continue. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be a business owner at the age of nine. Some may say at nine. Yes, because when back in the 70s, or I guess at this point, it would have been the 80s, when the Easy Bake Oven came out and everybody that was the craze, I knew then I did not want, even though my my parents bought me the Easy Bake Oven, I didn't want it. I wanted to, I specifically asked for a cash register. And so my parents were like, so you don't want an Easy Bake Oven, you want a cash register? I said, yes, because I want to do business. And, you know, that was that was exciting for me. So um, once we got over that hump, I'm like, Get, I want a cash register. So I got my cash register and all when families would come over um, for whatever events or just come over, you know, they visit his grandma's house because my grandmother lived with me also. So growing up. Um, as a child anyway. And when family would come over, we would, um, I would make like pictures and paintings or um, color pages. And I would actually sell that to them. I'm like, okay, so I need to make some money off of this stuff. So, and I would bring them up on my cash register. And that's, that I, I knew then. And my parents was like, okay, so I think she's on to something because who taught her this? Where did she learn that from? Well, 
I was going to ask you that. Like, what was it, do you think, at nine prompted you to say, I know I want to go into business? When most of us were like, I want to be a model, an airline stewardess, or, you know, a police officer. Like, and there's nothing wrong with any of those professions, but that's what most nine-year-olds, maybe a doctor, a lawyer, most of us weren't saying, I want to own my own business. So I think just going um to small businesses with my parents and my grandmother, um, because she was my caretaker when my parents was at work. So I think part of it is like going to your local grocery store from your neighborhood. Because back then, businesses were owned by, you know, a lot of those small businesses owned from um, merchants and from your neighbors. And I also had family members. You know, I remember my great uncle owning his own shoe shop um, where he would fix shoes, he would sell shoes. Um, customers would come there and get their fur coats or getting their leather, you know, jackets, whatever, fix. So I watched family members um, just locally traveling. Um, and then also on, we made it, my family made it a, a business on the weekends. Our outing was, we would go to Lexington Market, which is a big public market here. Um, and then they had the hustlers. And seeing that as a young age, like, okay, you shop, people were happy, the energy was there. You know, so I look forward to those weekend outings with my family. And I think something at that point must have just clicked. Like, this is what I want to do when I grow up. So tell us a little bit about that that journey, because you were working and had to quit a job. Like, what moment did you decide, you know what, I am going the dream that I've always had? I always said, even going into business, that I was going to support my business until it would support me, meaning I would work full time. And then one day I would be able to secure enough funding or just have put my business in a position that it can now support me. Of course, we know like it's always a dream, but we still, there's still things, I mean, you know, you still need to live. There's still, you know, things, let's be, that's the reality of it all. We can have these dreams, but we still need to live and we need to be realistic. So I worked along the way. And in the, at one moment, for many years, there was a couple of things that made me decide to say, okay, now is the time. One is because no one, for many years, no one knew that I owned the store because I would always have employees here or um, college students or part-time employees who ran the store for me. And, you know, after a while, no one, I just feel like it's when it's a small business, no matter how, who you hire, they're, they're just not going to treat it the same as you will. And I did both for a while. And then the second piece was, okay, I wanted to, one, work in the store myself. And then two, from the, on the employment side of things, I decided, I'm like, I need my freedom. It wasn't more or less the monetary part of it, but it was the freedom, my time. I valued my time. I also, you know, from many times of request and leave off, I'm just going to be transparent, request and leave off. And it's like, no, this is not the right time. And, you know, after a while, especially when you have a family, I was like, okay, I'm I'm trading a lot for like these making a lot of sacrifices. In life, you make a lot of sacrifices. But for me, the ultimate moment was, you know what? It's time for me to just step out on faith, know that I can do this. I've been doing this. You know, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices, maybe, you know, less, um, maybe less dinners out to sacrifice, you know, but I, I need to just focus on just really working for myself. And that's what I did after, after many years. So I think I worked along um, with having a store for about maybe 12 years. And then I really, honestly, I wanted the freedom and I wanted to step out on faith. Like I need to completely, cause I, I felt like the business is doing well now. Imagine if I'm giving it 100% or 110% where it would grow. And it has. 
So you started your business around the time when everybody was looking at e-commerce and going online. Yes. And so what was it about your business or what is it about your business that you felt confident that you could be a strong brick and mortar as well as have an online? Um, well, because we're all human and I feel like your business and when you build brands and when you build business, it's all about relationships and e-commerce does not do that. I mean, you can have the apps, you can do whatever, but you need to know your customers when it's a small business. The customer really want to know who you are, where, you know, how did you start this business? They like you, they like your story. And that's, that's what it was about for me. I needed to, I always want to be this business, Pandora's box. There's a human behind it. It's not just so business, business, business every day. There's a human behind it. And I go through things as well. And I like my customers to know the same way. And I think that's what has grown my business. The relationships that I've built, like I've had customers who have, um, I've watched their journey when they came in for their first, um, and this is something that e-commerce, and I'm not, you know, e-commerce is big and I'm not knocking that at all, but I've watched customers in there where they came in for earrings for their first date and they go out on their first date. And then I see them six months later, they're a couple. And then two years later, they're engaged. So they're getting earrings and they're getting, you know, gifts for their engagement party, then their wedding, and then they have a kid and then there's a christening. So there's so many customers. I'm telling my age right now, but, but I've watched that, you know, that profile of a customer that I've built from beginning to I've, I've watched the stages of their life. And that's what I pride myself in having a small business because a lot of the customers I have, I know them and they definitely know me. In 21 years, you know, I, I listened to um, another podcast that you had done and, you know, a lot of the conversation recently has been how people have been able to overcome the challenges of the pandemic. But listening to you do this previous interview, like you had a lot of challenges. Oh, yeah. We had the, the there have been many challenges, like whether it was, you know, the police brutality that happened in Baltimore, the demonstrations, the, um, the, the, the last uh, recession in 2007, you know, you've gone through a lot. And so- Tell us a little bit about what that resilience looks like and and even what some of the lessons you've learned in going through all of these different things that were going on nationally and in some cases going on specifically right in Baltimore. Me listening to all of that, all of those, some things being traumatic. One, you know, we had the unrest, you know, where you lose a lot of, I'm used to like having many um during the unrest freddie rates um, you know during the unrest here in baltimore um we lost a lot of uh conferences and where i'm located there's a lot of visitors so there's a lot of conferences that come from all over the world here but we that was that was a lot that we lost so that's revenue you know even during the pandemic wow how can i say this but so i mean all of those things affected me but i always look around like but it's not just me i look around the world and it's happening to everyone but I do believe that there's, you know, some, there's a tomorrow and, and, you know, things like that don't last forever. And I do, I mean, I have faith and I learned that, you know, fear will only paralyze me if I always work off of fear that this is going to happen and something else is going to happen. So there's the, there's the, the faith. I have family. I have a good village of friends who support me, who've been there, my parents, my family, my husband, my son, you know. Um, so I think having that um, support system matters when you have a business, even though entrepreneurship is very lonely. But at times, 
having that right support system to recognize that, you know what, she might need some help or let me reach out. So that and foremost, and then because I was always able, well, not always, but for the last several years, put myself in front of the business, the customers could connect. So they would say, you know what, it's a lot that's going on, but let's look out for Pandora's box. Let's make sure, you know, um, we could go somewhere else. You know, it could be it could be convenient for us to shop on e-commerce, but this business has been here for years. We want to make sure she saves. So I think, again, going back to making those connections and those relationships, because it has been hard. I mean, my store has definitely been vandalized. During that time, that was a very, not only hurtful, but it was also hard because I had been closed for like several months during the pandemic. And Baltimore was one, Baltimore City was one of the um, areas where we opened, reopened a lot later than most um, cities did or most areas in the surrounding counties did. You know, we hear about um, stores being vandalized. So when we were watching all of this happen, you know, many of us, we, you know, we would see it and shake our heads and feel bad, but- you know, what, what is that like when you go to your store and you realize that your store was one of the ones vandalized? It's very traumatic. Um, I remember, and to this day, when you go through something traumatic like that, you know, every, I don't forget about it, even though it's, it's, it's over, but I haven't forgotten about it. I remember that day, the, the first day that I decided to go back down that I can go back and sit in a salon. I was getting my hair done that morning, just was getting shampooed and I get a police call. And then there's the neighborhood association calling me and they say, Hey, you know, to get here fast because you, um, your store has been vandalized. And I was like, what? And so I'm rushing. I mean, I'm rushing so bad, like hair wet, everything. My style is like, let me blow dry your hair a little bit. You can't, you know? So I get there and I'm just, I couldn't believe it. Cause I'm like, why? Like, you know, what, and then especially, not to say that this makes it better, but when I came inside and I saw the damages that was done, no one took anything. Like, I almost would have felt better if someone took some things that they needed or because they needed the things. Not, I'm not inviting anybody to see or go off there. Right. You know, I'm not saying that, but it was just pure, just vandalism, just like, just mean-spirited, like, let's just destroy the store. And it was heartbreaking because then, you know, there is an easy feeling. There's a trust level there. You feel, you know, there's a sense of, you know, you're violated, you know, and it's, it's hard to overcome that. It's hard for me to like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm better about it these days, but I still live in a way like, okay, where there, of course, I'm like, I need to protect the store. I need to do blah, 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 you know, but you, you never, I don't think your life never changed. Your life is never the same after that. You always, there's a constant, not, not worry, but I'm like, I always, I think about that moment quite often. Yeah. And I, and I would imagine, so if you're experiencing it and, and like I said, you know, many of us, we watch it, we have that one moment of, you know, compassion or support or anger, you know, on your behalf, but then we move on. Right. And no one thinks about what that looks like to start rebuilding yeah. um, the losses financially and um, what it takes to feel secure in your name. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Um, definitely the loss financially. Like I said, we were just, you know, the store had just reopened and during a time where it's, it's just, it was horrible. Um, and I was angry. I was, I was angry because I'm, you know, because especially when, you know, you're, you, you build your business off of community and right. going back to those relationships and it makes you think you start to second guess, why am I doing this? 
are these relationships are really good relationships? Am I not in the right area? You know, so you start second guessing all of the things that you felt like that you, the confidence that you gained, that I gained to even go to this next level with my business. Now it changes, you know, um, because of these types of things that happen. You know, I had a conversation with a girlfriend of mine today who has a a business that she's frustrated in terms of it's not growing, it's not bringing in the kind of finances. And every entrepreneur goes through that dry spell where you're just like, I need this, I need this business to make money because, as you mentioned, I have to live. And so she just wants to go back to work, right? And so, and I, and I imagine that's not an unusual feeling, you know, thinking, you know, maybe I should just pack this up and and go back to work. What prevents you, right? What, what, what goes on in your mind that, that keeps you saying, it's worth me staying here. It's worth me fighting through whatever disappointment, whatever frustrations, whatever anger I feel to, and I mean, your business is in much better space now, but in those moments, what was it that kept you going, going forward? Um, part of, I can hear my grandmother's voice with it say to me growing up, the devil is a liar. Like in your moments of when you want to give up, there's a breakthrough. I know for me personally, every time I've gotten that, like, well, maybe I changed this or maybe I should just, there was something that was a breakthrough that would come through that would remind me, or I always go back to remember why I started or changing something, actually ask for help. You know, maybe I didn't have all the answers or try to figure out, like I've done surveys on times when things I just didn't know, like I would ask my customers or I have someone do a, an audit on my business. Like, what is it? What is it that, you know, cause I've had, I was fortunate that my growing pains were a little different. Like I've, from the minute I started, I had customers. My problem was I would sell out and I'm like, oh, what I'm going to do? You know, like you can't have an empty space, you know, like, so that was my issue. But I still had issues because I didn't have a backup plan because I had already told myself, oh, because of like, oh, no, businesses that take years for people to find you. But what I do know is location means everything. And I went off of my checklist. I was like, OK, I knew from the very beginning it needed to um, location was everything. The income level needed to be there of what I wanted to sell. Um, I needed visibility. I needed, yeah, I needed visibility and I needed to be in a part of a neighborhood because when those visitors or people are not traveling, I need the, the surrounding neighborhood, the community to be there and to show up. So um, I think for me, it was just making sure. So once I had that checklist, I sought out a, a location that would work for those with that criteria. So I would say even for your friend, just reevaluate the business. Don't give it up. Maybe, maybe you might just have to pivot a little, you know, there's power in the pivot. And so maybe you, you know, not to give up, maybe you just got to do something different or a different direction. Have someone else look at it from a different, from a different lens. Cause oftentimes we love what we love and we're so connected to it. And that's another thing that I've felt like I've never, there's things in my store today that I, I like, I don't have a, oftentimes customers like, Oh, do you have everything in your house? I'm like, probably not. I, you know, these things are for you. I like them, of course. I don't want to sell anything I absolutely don't like. But you have to really listen to what your customer wants. And I think oftentimes when we start businesses, we do what our heart tells us, which is fine. You can be that entrepreneur. But if your customer is saying, I'm not buying it, I don't like that, then scratch it. You're not a failure because of that. And actually, you do need to fail. That's when you know you're growing. That is so, that's so true. 
Um, so let's talk about the store. So you've got accessories and um, gifts and jewelry and things for all parts of the home. Um, some of it is sexy and quirky and a little provocative. Yes. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things that are in your store. Okay, so first and foremost, I like to always speak because, because again, it's building relationships and I want customers, the things that I sell, to speak to them to the emotions, not to just to their pocket or their wallet, to the emotion. I want to touch someone's heart. I want them to say, you know what, this reminds me of such and such, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so let's start there. So lots of gifts for the home that are snarky, that are definitely curse words, swear words. Um, then it's cute earrings that I feel like that you could go out in and, you know, um, that are, I try not to, and make things that are different, you know? Um, and I run my, I run Pandora's box like a pop-up shop. I've always, before there was, there was the term pop-up shop. I'm like, I want to get it in. I want to get it out. Even though there's some staples in the store that customers like, oh, you know, I want to, you know, there's some that I sell like every year, but then there's a lot, like I switch over to inventory quite often. I'm sorry. I switch over to inventory quite often. Um, because it, it just keeps the customer wanting to come back for more and more and more. So I have eclectic gifts. I have funny oven mitts that you wouldn't typically see in the the big commercial stores because, you know, I can't compete with them, nor do I try to. Right. But I want to have it eclectic enough, um, unique enough that someone say, you know what? I need to get a gift for my friend who has everything or just about, you know, things that they normally can buy most things for themselves. But I know they wouldn't have this. And I pride myself in selecting, curating, and creating, because I'm a creator. I create a lot of items that are memorable. What I also love is that you support local yeah. creatives and artisans. And so and so tell us what that process is of selecting someone to be. So basically, a lot of times they find me and they'll say, hey, I got such a job. And I'll say, okay, send me your, um, your line list. Let me see your product. I mean, let me know where you're selling them. What do you, I ask them, what do you like about it? What is your best sellers? Cause I'm only going to sell your best. I only want to carry your best sellers in the shop. Not something that you just made that you love so much. Right. No, I only want to, you know, it, I don't have that much shelf space. I always say, this is not a museum. We got to sell it. We got to get it in and we got to, it has to leave. Right. So, um, so that's usually the process. And they'll send me, and I look at things all week long. Um, and I'll say, oh, this is great. The second part is their story. Like, tell me about your story. Like, how did you get started? And if that story resonate with me and I think customers would, you know, really like the story behind how they got started, then that's, you know, I, I select them. And that's just basically what I do. And um, they're selected. They, you know, we schedule an appointment. They drop it off. If it's something that I'm not sure about, we do a consignment agreement for 30 days. If it sells really well, then I'll say, you know what? I just need to wholesale this product from you. Um, or sometimes I love it so much. I'm like, well, I would like this if we tweaked it a little bit. Let's do a license agreement. I will, how about let's, let's just change the design a little bit to this. Because I think customers would, this would probably be more suiting for our customer. And let's do a license agreement for a year or two years. And there you have it. And it's exclusive for the store. It's not cookie cutter all over at all these different small shops. That's usually like how, how I get creators in the store or I go find them. If it's somebody that really has things that I really like, I'm like, oh no, this is it. 
this is innovative. This is, you know, um, cause I'm, I feel like I'm, I know that I am a forward thinker about product. I've always, for some reason, I've just always been that way. So I can see it before it becomes mainstream, you know? So, and that's how it, it just ends up in the store. Is there anything that you had doubts about and surprised you or anything that you were really excited about and the sales didn't? Okay. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, what was it? Uh, let's see. What surprised me the most, which I'm a gift shop, but I would have never thought that books would sell. So, because I don't, I'm not a bookstore, but when I tell you the amount of books that I sell from, because I sell kids, adults, um, just a wide range, but also bestsellers, I, I'm like, I'm so mad I've been sleeping on this for so long. Like, I wish I could go back. I'm like, I really lost a lot of revenue here. Like, and you don't have to be a bookstore. Like all I needed to do was create a section. So that surprised me to this day, even today, I'm like, I cannot believe I sold this amount of books. Like these earrings I thought was gonna go just like that. People coming in from books, are you serious? Let's see, what? I was told that about FedEx, actually. I had gone in and they said, you'd be surprised. They sell a lot of books. I don't know if they sell them in all the stores, but the stores that I've gone in where they have books, they said, you'd be surprised. Well, let me tell you, if your friend who's saying that she's struggling to have this store, <laughs> tell her to get some books up in there. Or, or her website. Tell <laughs> um, her to get some books, definitely. What didn't... Um, what what was it that trying to think? What was the one thing that ah oh, that's hard to say. Well, and that's actually good. That means that your selection process is really yeah. good. Yeah, it's I don't even know what that one thing is that didn't sell. Like that kind of was like ah uh, was a little disappointing. That's that's excellent. Yeah. So you haven't had a whole lot of trial and error. You pretty much if you see something that means you know your customers. Yeah. No, I haven't had a whole lot of um. Yeah, no, I actually haven't. The only thing that I can say that things that sold really well, and I'm like, let me get some more and let me get some more. I should have probably like discontinued like, okay, no, because now the customers are tired of it because now they see it everywhere. So there's been some times and I went against what I normally would do and say, let me just reorder it again and again and again. And I knew I should have stopped after the second time because it became a little lackluster. Like by the time I was on my third run with it, at this point, it's everywhere. So now I'm really competing and I should have just stopped. But other than that, um, no, I don't think anything recently, in the recent years. I'm like, uh, even skincare items that I had, like I, the ones that I do sell, they're, they're number one on TikTok. They're, I, I went and found them online from TikTok and I was like, I like this young lady. She's sustainable. You know what? I want her product in my store. And it's an easy sell because I can just repost a lot of her TikToks or share. Right. So someone that's already have a following in a relationship already with, you know, so that was easy for me. I'm like, so if I'm going to do the skincare, I want it because I'm not, you know, I needed to sell itself. Like I'm not going to be doing facials in here, anything. So <laughs> it needs to be able to sell itself. Just yeah. Itself. Yeah. So what, what's next for your business? Do you think you would franchise? Do you want to expand into another location or do you like being where you are and just expanding in the store? So definitely expansion. Our second store here in somewhere in Baltimore, Maryland. My next spot, I absolutely want to, of my own heart, I would love to go to New York. I feel like I need to be in New York. New York needs me. Yeah. 
Yeah, you need to in Brooklyn, where we are. <laughs> Brooklyn needs okay. you. Okay, all right. But no, in my heart, I said this, I like literally wrote out a list. So there's another location here in Baltimore. Next, I would go to New York. Um, while I'm doing that, I'm also working on my own currently, concurrently, a new company with Trademark to own my own brand. That way I can create and sell like a lot of the things that I create that, I, that are my best sellers here that I can also have license agreements with other companies and create for others. So that's where, that's where I'm going Two locations. And then the other company is more just e-commerce and then working with other companies to just create for them. So until you expand, where can the listeners find you? Okay. So they can find me in Baltimore and historic federal hill, 50 East cross street, um, Baltimore, Maryland. They can find me on Instagram at shop Pandora's box boutique. And you can shop directly from Instagram um, on some of the things that I sell. Usually you can shop the best sellers directly from Instagram. They can find me on Facebook at Shop Pandora's Box Boutique. Of course, online at pandorasboxboutique.com. They can find me on TikTok. <laughs> I love TikTok. <laughs> um, I do too. There's a lot of um, concern about yeah, it, but I do too. I mean, yeah. I can get there's concern, but I, I I like it. It's It's real. It's accessible. You know, I I like it. There's no, I feel like there's not a lot of judgment. People are just themselves on that. And it was real to me. So, and I thought that I'd take it for, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure people might have their other reasons, but that's, you know, I, I, I can't wrap my head around that part of it yet. So it's just fun for me. And so we can find you and and the same hand. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being thank here. You. It was great talking to you. Um, my business partner recommended you and could not say <laughs> enough wonderful things oh, about you. So I'm so glad we were able to have you on. And, um, and I look forward to visiting your store. I'm definitely going to be shopping online, but I look forward to walking in and seeing you in bulk. Exactly. Well, I'm rebranding right now. So my new website should be up in the end of July. I mean, it's still shoppable right now, but gonna look really nice new products re- refreshed so yeah thank you thank you monisha we wish you well all thank you so much there. and thank you all for listening we'll be back again next week with another dynamic guest take care the business first podcast is hosted and produced by sonia aline executive producer ken johnson find the business first podcast on apple podcast stitcher spotify odyssey iHeartRadio, amazon music tune in or wherever you get your podcast on social media on IG at business underscore first underscore podcast. Follow the Mean Old Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean Old Line Media. Get the Mean Old Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Business First Podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.